Hey there, from the Tampa Bay Times, this is Coronavirus in Florida, the Lost Summer. I'm your host, Austin Fast, and this episode dropped on Thursday, July 23rd. This show explores all the ways COVID-19 is affecting summer 2020. We'll share the facts behind the spread of the virus and discuss what could happen next. On today's episode, testing. Coronavirus testing continues to spread across Florida, with almost 60,000 tests each day this week. That's more than double what we were seeing this time in June. Dr. Maura Piretti supervises the laboratories at BayCare, Tampa Bay's largest healthcare system. Her technicians have been busy processing thousands of coronavirus tests each week all summer long. That's in addition to all the other tests they need to run. There's a constant you know, negotiation of how many supplies, uh, how many tests do we need, and how many do they have available? Can they produce enough tests? Everybody's ramping up production, but we've also ramping up the number of testing we're doing. Later in the show, reporter Lane DeGregory shares her interview with Dr. Piretti. They'll break down all this testing talk about antigens, antibodies, false positives, and more. But first, Florida pushed over the 3 million mark of total tests this Sunday. Surely, a few people in there are repeat testers, but that means as many as one out of every seven Floridians may have had that fuzzy caterpillar swab stuck up our nose to check for an active coronavirus infection. For those of you who haven't, Tampa Bay Times Metro reporter Margot Snipe pulls back the curtain on her brush with COVID-19. Just this morning, I found out that I may have been exposed to COVID-19 a couple days ago. And what that means is I need to now go get tested. I'm nervous. I've been trying to avoid getting a test for a while. This time, I definitely absolutely have to because my bosses say so. Um, So I need to work through where I'm going to get tested, what time I'm going to go, and what that process is going to look like. So let me interrupt here for a second to explain. Margot has been out reporting daily on the protests across St. Petersburg all summer long. Turns out some of the protesters she spoke with have come down with COVID-19. She agrees to keep audio diaries documenting what she's thinking, what she sees, what she feels throughout this whole process. And boy, does she deliver with almost 30 recordings. Okay, so now back to Margot. This morning, as soon as I found out I may have been exposed and needed a test, I drove over to Tropicana Field. Turns out, though... In order to go there, you have to be exhibiting symptoms and have an appointment. Right now, I'm not exhibiting any coronavirus symptoms. That means that I have to choose a different location to be tested that will accept me while I'm asymptomatic. After lots of Google searches and waiting on hold with testing centers, Margot picks out the Community Health Centers of Pinellas on 22nd Street South in St. Petersburg. As of right now, I plan on driving to the testing site that opens at 7 a.m. and seeing how long the line takes. It's 6.20 and I just woke up to head to a coronavirus testing site. This is like when I played volleyball. This is how life went. Woke up at 6.30, started practice, like now. 
four years of college athletics. as crazy as I thought, which is good news. I mean, there are people here, but it's not the end of the world. Yes, sir? I stopped recording Austin because I'm pretty sure it's illegal to record people without their knowledge and a health official. Good call. Better safe than sorry. And now, at this point, Tampa Bay Times reporter Natalie Weber jumps in. She's also getting tested for possible exposure. He asked us if we had talked to a doctor or filled out any paperwork. And he gave us some numbers, told us to park. And now we're waiting. I think there's maybe about 10 other cars here. The Dodge whatever cannot park and is like halfway in the other spot. Just so you know for the podcast, Austin. (laughs) How am I supposed to park next to you when you can't park? I guess we all can't park now since you're halfway in my spot. I really don't want to do this. I don't want to have a cotton swab up my nose. I don't want to do it. But I'm feeling good vibes. I'm feeling a negative vibe on my test result. Not that that matters for anything. Austin, I'm so jealous right now. You're probably in your warm (laughs) bed, asleep, (laughs) not worried about coronavirus. (laughs) Oh, I feel so called out. She's definitely right. Well, that I was asleep at 6.30 a.m., not necessarily the part about not being concerned about coronavirus. I've concluded that this is going to take 800 years. Um, At first, I was encouraged by the short line. Like, the amount of cars isn't that much, but it's taking a long time just to get through one car. Three hours in, and we just did, like, a little phone survey questionnaire with, I guess, a doctor or a nurse on the phone. Now I'm going to turn on my flashers, and that means someone will come and test me. I'll check back in after the test, but I'm really nervous. Okay. Basically, the test was super easy, super quick, and I barely even felt it, so... Whatever hype is out there, I feel like, wasn't accurate to my experience. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. My eyes watered a little bit, but I've always known that I have, like, a small, like, narrow nose. So, (laughs) but yeah, that concludes our adventure. We spent, like, three hours and 15 minutes here. It is the night after taking the coronavirus test and my nerves have pretty much settled. Um, Now it's just a waiting game. I get my test results back in three to seven days. It is Tuesday now, so the soonest I might get my results is Friday. So we wait now. So it's the day after my test and I went online to register for the patient portal. This portal is where I'll see my results if I'm negative. If I'm positive, I'll get a call instead. But Margot notices something isn't quite right on the portal. My race is listed as white and I am not white. 
So I'm going to try to call the number for the health center just to sort of get that straightened out because I do identify as Black or African-American and I feel like that's important for data collection. It is Sunday evening. I got tested on Tuesday and still no results. I've checked the client portal multiple times a day um, since Tuesday and no results have come in yet. So we're still waiting. Um, No symptoms though, so that's a good thing. Okay, it's officially day seven um, since I've been tested. I'm logging on now to the patient portal online to see if my test results have come in. Now, when I first got the test done, they said it would take three to seven days to get my results back. I'm typing in my login information. The page is loading. The moment of truth. I mean, it's day seven. The results should definitely be in by now. And not a single thing in my file yet. It is day seven. Yesterday on day nine, the morning of day 10. Day 12, still no results. Um, I check the online portal about twice a day. While Margo's waiting for her COVID results, I'm sure you're wondering what these tests are looking for. How do they work? Are they ever wrong? Tampa Bay Times reporter Lane DeGregory found the perfect person to answer these questions. I'm Maura Puretti. I'm the scientific director for Baycare Laboratories. I'm in charge of the, the specialized testing for Baycare. So any type of molecular diagnostic test, any test that is based on DNA, RNA, genetic sequences, not just for viruses, but also for bacteria, for oncology, for genetics. Uh, we do chromosome analysis. So we do a lot of sort of the specialized testing. We're sort of the reference laboratory for the Baycare Health System. And I imagine your world has been completely turned upside down with all the COVID testing. Is the other job having to be done at the same time? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Everything. And it was a sort of quiet in, in March and April because, you know, there were fewer patients needing the other tests. But now it's it's back to normal. So we're doing sort of two jobs at the same time. Start us out by like walking us through what happens. Like if I go up to the Tropicana Field parking lot and roll down my window, can you kind of walk us through the process of the testing first? Sure. Well, of course, if it happens at a drive through normally the patient stays inside the car and the collector uses a nasopharyngeal swab, which is a very thin swab with a little flocked head at the end and inserts it through the nostril into the back area of the nose and uh, rotates it around a few seconds, takes it out, puts it into a tube that contains a transport media, closes the tube, labels it, and then basically sends it on its way to the laboratory. The tests that are done for the respiratory sample basically look for pieces of genetic material that belong to the virus. And how how long does that process take? Our turnaround time depends very much on the location where the, the collection occurs. Some collections that occur, for example, in the emergency department of the hospital, and some of those tests we do inside the hospitals, there's only a few hours in between. For some other testing um, that we do in a centralized laboratory, then it may be a day or two for that to occur. And in in cases where there is a backlog of too too much demand and too little supply, it could take two to three days, in some cases a little longer. And can you talk to us about how many different types of tests are there? I know there are different labs and, and different manufacturers. 
oh my goodness, there are, there are probably several dozens of different tests for, for the respiratory sample. Uh, and this type of test that I just described, the, looking at genetic sequences. I, I, I lost track of the tally. It started with a few and now it's several dozen different ones. Oh my gosh. Are they all up your nose or are there some that are blood tests as well? Well, the blood tests are for antibody. So, oh, okay. yeah, and, and that's a totally separate test. So for a blood test, then I, I'm really looking for the response that the patient had to the infection of the virus. I don't know if there's a, a way to put a range or a percentage on that. How, how accurate do you think in general these tests are? What's the percentage of accuracy? Uh, that's a very hard question to answer, actually, because accuracy is really made of sensitivity and specificity. So it's kind of a combination of the two. If I um, do a collection on a patient that is in the very early stages of the disease and is shedding a lot of virus, then my swab will be easily picking up virus and put it into the tube, and then my test will easily pick up the virus. If I have a very small amount of shedding, maybe I'm in the late stages of the disease and the virus is in very small quantities, it may be, in some cases, lower than the limit of detection of the assay. That's where the test may be inaccurate. It's just that it's not sensitive enough for those very low amounts. Those are pretty rare and don't happen very, very often. The other variable is also where is the virus actually in my body when I'm trying to go and collect it with a swab. The virus kind of hangs around the nose and the throat at the beginning of the infection, and then it tends to travel downward, sort of in the back of the throat, in that nasopharyngeal cavity, and then eventually is not found there even anymore. It goes lower into the uh, respiratory tract. So depending on the timing when I do this collection, I may be able to collect virus or not. I may have a patient really who has disease, but I'm not capable of collecting virus from him anymore. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so in other words, if you're not having the respiratory symptoms, but then it gets into your lungs, you might not be detected that it's already gone too far? Correct. Correct. Wow, Correct. that's so interesting. I've never heard that before. If someone gets a positive test, do you think that that's pretty usually accurate that they have it? Or should somebody go back and get retested just to make sure? Or a negative test, I guess, either way. Right. So false positive, in general, is a very, very rare event. And it's um, not something that is even being described in the literature very much because the, the tests are very specific. If I pick up virus, I know I can be certain it's there. Again, like in all things, though, the test is not made just of the technical component of the test. are all the parts before and after. If I collect a sample and somehow during the collection that sample gets contaminated, maybe by the collector or by somebody else, then I could be generating potentially a false positive result. So those are the non-test variables that could create a false positive. And what about false negatives? Talk about that in if I have such low amounts of virus that my test is below the limit of detection, or maybe the virus, I've, I've collected a sample, but the virus is already not in that body site, nose, or nasopharyngeal cavity anymore. So those could create false negatives. And how often do you think that might happen? That actually happens more than the false positive from what is being reported. And it, it, there is not a, an exact number of how often that happens. So would you recommend if someone gets a negative test that they go back and get a second one done just for reassurance? Not necessarily. We do retest patients if they are symptomatic and they need to be treated. 
and, or they need to be isolated. If there is high suspicion that the initial test was false negative, we can retest them and physicians do order those tests. But there's no automatic reflex. What is your advice for people who don't have any symptoms, don't really think they have it, but just want to get tested? My advice as a laboratorian is don't get tested. We have so limited supply still and in so few hands to do the test that um, if you're, you're not symptomatic, um, to be tested one time is really one point in time. You could become infected tomorrow, so it's really not very significant. It's not very reassuring either, in my mind. I mean, I think it's really interesting to say, don't feel good tested if you don't have symptoms, because I know so many people who are doing that. I, I know that, that that would be a good thing to get out there in the public. The message should be a test for respiratory is at one point in time. It could change any moment. So it only makes sense uh, if you need it for a reason, if you have symptoms. Would there be any reason for people just to go get tested for antibodies just because they want to know if they've had it and maybe didn't have any symptoms? I think that's not a bad idea, actually, to be tested for antibody because it allows you to know that your body has reacted to the disease and you formed antibodies. That's not a, just at one point in time. It's, it's more of your body's reaction to the disease. Mm -hmm. And antibody tests are much more readily available than the other tests. Um, the second part is, as a message in general, I'm really glad, actually, the laboratory, which is usually hidden behind the scenes, is actually getting a little bit in the limelight. I've never had so many questions and so many people reaching out to me to understand <laughs> testing and so forth. So I'm very glad for that because we normally, <laughs> laboratorians, you know, stay hidden in a basement and do their testing and they never see anybody. Nobody ever talks to them. Well, I really, really appreciate your help. And you are one of those rare experts who made me understand science. So thank Thank you for breaking okay. it down. Okay. So no problem. Bye-bye. Once again, that's Maura Puretti. She directs specialized testing at Baycare Laboratories, and she was speaking with Times reporter Lane DeGregory. Thanks to both of them for sharing their conversation. So remember Margot from earlier? Does she have COVID-19? We've kept you in suspense long enough. Here she is on Tuesday morning, July 21st. It's day 14, logging on to the healthcare portal to see if my results are in yet. And I can't help but laugh because, I mean, 14 days is a full quarantine. Let's see, it's loading. Not a single result. So... <laughs> I don't really even know what to say. Austin, I'm glad um, we did this because this should be documented. 14 days with no results. Something had to have like gone wrong in the process. Like they must have lost my test or something. It wasn't quite what she expected, but two weeks without symptoms should mean Margot is COVID-free. Or at least she was on July 7th when she got that test. Or maybe she was an asymptomatic carrier. We may never know. Her colleague Natalie got negative test results back in seven days' time. So I called the community health centers of Pinellas to see what could have happened to Margo's results. It is unusual that it takes over 14 days to get the results, but, you know, I can't speak to why that would be the case in any particular case. That's Chief Medical Officer Nichelle Threadgill of the Community Health Centers of Pinellas. They send all their tests to national labs for processing, which she says are now averaging about 10 to 14 days. I certainly can understand why there would be some concern there. 
But, you know, we really do our best to try and get results out as timely as we receive them. Once we send the test to the lab, it is in the hands of the um, commercial labs for testing. And um, as you know, it's not a local issue, but really kind of a national issue that a lot of the labs really are inundated with large volumes of tests and and, um, the ability to really process those tests. She's right. Testing spikes across southern states have one of the nation's largest labs struggling to keep up. On Monday night, Quest Diagnostics advised their results will now take up to two weeks for non-priority patients, those people not showing symptoms like Margot. Well, that does it for us today. After all this talk of testing, if you suspect that fever, cough, or loss of smell and taste just might be COVID-19, head on over to tampabay.com. We've got a list of testing sites for your county. You'll also find all of our latest stories about coronavirus in Florida. And if you liked today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me on Twitter at A underscore fast, or shoot me an email at afast at tampabay.com. I'd love to hear from you if you have any comments or suggestions about the show. This has been Coronavirus in Florida, The Lost Summer. I'm your host, Austin Fast. Thank you so much for listening, and stay healthy out there.